Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm super excited to have Bianca Alba, the host of this Latina Travels podcast. But you do so much more than just podcast. So we'll get into all of that chisme. But as everybody knows, who has listened to more than one episode, before we get into the chisme, we always start with the wine. So Bianca, are you partaking in the wine today? I am. So I'm actually drinking um, a... Australian wine. It's called 19 Crimes. So disclaimer, I am not a wino. <laughs> I think this past year with a pandemic, it's, I've definitely realized that I'm more of a social drinker, meaning, you know, you drink when you're out with friends. And since with this pandemic, I've been home, I really don't drink. <laughs> and so I was like, well, you know, I have this wine that's been open for a while. I was like, let me drink a little bit more of it tonight. So it's a red wine and it's delicious. So salute. <laughs> Nice, nice. So I am drinking, this is the last of this bottle that I'm drinking, Lagunilla Optimist 2016. It's a Rioja from Spain that my friend actually brought back for me. He actually brought it from Spain for me. I've had it before. So salud, salud. Let's do my my sound effect. Love it. (laughs) Look, I'm all about my my little sounds and all of those things that I can do. (laughs) Yes, uh, I agree. (laughs) So let's get into it. I know that there's a lot of things that you do. So let me start off by reading your bio. Sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, I've never had my bio read back to me, but you're going, you're about to. Okay. Uh, Bianca Alba is a proud first-generation Latina from, okay, let me make sure I say Cochabamba, Bolivia. That's right. Yes. She currently resides in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and works as a public health analyst for HRSA. So it's the Health Resource and Service Administration branch. She is the voice and creator behind the podcast titled This Latina Travels, a travel podcast through the eyes of a first-generation Latina sharing all her travel experiences firsthand. As a little girl living in a single-family home, trips, vacations were just a dream. So this podcast is more than Bianca just telling you about her experiences but it's dreams becoming reality. Her goal with this podcast is to break barriers so more women who look like Bianca will travel the world too. And I want to say probably more people that look like us from our country, right? Because I think so often so many people travel within like, you know, the, our country is just so huge. The United States is just so big and so vast that even traveling within the country can sometimes be difficult. Oh, for sure. For sure. A hundred percent. So let me say, I listened to your very first podcast. I didn't want to listen to all of them because I wanted to get like genuine. I wanted to ask questions based on what we are discussion. But in that very first podcast, you're talking about being born in Bolivia and moving to the United States when you were six months old and moving to the Maryland, Virginia area of all places. Yes. How did your parents choose not just the East Coast? Because I can see choosing the East Coast. Well, I can't because I'm a West Coast girl, but (laughs) um, choosing the Washington, like the Virginia, Maryland area. How does that happen? So 
first off, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much, Jessica, for having me on here. I think it's an amazing opportunity, especially to have this safe space for, you know, us women, women of color. So I just love it. And I am just so happy to be here to share this moment. But it's a little bit of my, my family background. So my mom and my dad came here to the, to the United States when they were very young. Like my mom was 17. My dad was 18. And the only family that they had actually resided in New York and um, a bunch of them also migrated down to Virginia. And so there's actually a huge Bolivian population in those states, which I had no idea either. Like, I mean, growing up, I realized it. But yeah, so Bolivians are really, you know, heavy in the Virginia area, in the New York area, in certain parts of New York, not all the parts. But that's how my parents ended up there. Like, they ended up, you know, living with tios and tias and cousins. Because I remember briefly, you know, in my first couple of years, like, we would, like, I think surf couch or house surf um, for the first couple of years. And it wasn't until like we really settled down in uh, Northern Virginia and Fairfax, which is like 20 minutes away from Washington, DC. And um, that's basically where I grew up and all my life. I, you know, I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia, um, which is a very prestigious County in the whole country, but we were always the minority. Like we were always poor. Like my mom basically ended up becoming a single mom of four girls and I'm the oldest. And so I, I got to see the struggle behind, you know, being a single mom and raising four girls on her own in a pretty prestigious area. But thankfully with the resources that we had, you know, we made it through. I ended up going to college, being the first to graduate in my family, not only with a bachelor's, but a master's. And so, and, and now I'm here, <laughs> but that's, I guess the brief like answer on how like my family ended up there. It was just coincidental that Bolivians just migrated into those areas. <laughs> I know I would have never thought that actually when I had my first time, when I traveled to the DC area and we stayed in a hotel, me and my sister stayed at a hotel in Virginia, we were taking a lot of public transportation and everything. And at first I was surprised like of how many Latino. It took me like a second. I was like, oh, they're agricultural workers because obviously 92% of agricultural workers in the United States are from the Latino community. So I was very at first like, oh my gosh, well, how I'm seeing so many Latinos on the public transportation, everything. And then I, and then it clicked. I was like, oh, because I could see like what they were wearing and everything like that. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But I was always wondering like what other, like if there was like a real prevalent population there. So it's good to know when you're saying you grew up in Fairfax County being a very wealthy county and you not having the same, you're not coming from a family of wealth. How did you feel growing up? Like, what was that experience like? Did you always feel very left out? Were there other, was, since it is a large Bolivian population, did you find people to connect with? Or did you always kind of feel like a, you know, like a sore thumb sticking out type of thing? Yeah, that's a very valid question. And I think now that I'm, you know, older and I'm in my my 30s and now that I reflect and I'm also in, in therapy and I'm a proud advocate for therapy, I reflect on that and I realize how much it did really affect me. Like growing up, I realized, yes, I was always the one that was missing out on on anything, but I didn't realize it was because we didn't have money. You know, it was little things like, you know, if my friends would ask me to go out, but my mom would always be like, no, we can't, you can't go. But it, I don't think she ever like was like, no, it's not just because we don't have money. I always felt like it was because I was the oldest and she always wanted to control my life. But uh, as I reflect, it's little things like that. Like I didn't have the funds to do everything that my friends or my circle of the people that were around me did. And um, little things too, like handy downs that I, that I, I realize now, like, I'm like, oh, like we got that down from, from like donations. <laughs> it wasn't because, you know, it or like my mom made these Christmas presents work. It wasn't because of Santa Claus. It was like Salvation Army. <laughs> like, it's like things like now I'm reflecting, like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is how we made it work. But again, like I have no shame. Like I, it made me the person that I am. I, again, I give my mom so much props knowing, you know, how she did it. Like, I don't know, like, you know, working two, three jobs, but I think through that experience and that mind shape, at least for me now, it gives me even more motivation to like break those like generational financial curses or break those like generational traumas that maybe, you know, I grew up unknowingly or my mom, you know, passed around not knowing that, um, you know, those that caused us so much trauma, but now it's time for our generation to like break those cycles. Yeah, Absolutely. I know you really talk a lot about your traveling. So I want to mm -hmm. ask you, like, what was your experience? Like, 
in regards to vacations. I'm imagining like just based on your, the first episode, you guys didn't really have opportunity to go on vacation. And I'm assuming, and again, please correct me if I ever mm-hmm. say I'm assuming that's because just bait, like kind of following the breadcrumbs. Right. But mm-hmm. that doesn't always mean that it's a correct assumption. So please always like, this is your story. This is not my story. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Of um, course. Living in this area, this very wealthy County, I would imagine the beginning of every school year, all these kids are talking about all these vacations that they took and all of these experiences that they had. And what was your experience as as far as what was a vacation in your, because that's different for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like a vacation could literally be like, we're going camping and that's our vacation. And mm-hmm. if you grow up with that, then that's something that you, you know, if you feel connected to, everybody's different. So Growing up, what was a a vacation in your household? Did you have opportunities to have that? And then how did you feel when you would go to school and listen to other kids with these probably, I'm sure there were some with very grandiose things that they've done. Yeah. So I think one of the big things like, you know, yeah, growing up, there was really no such thing as like vacations. I think the big vacation that I do remember is when I was 11 years old. It was the first time that we actually traveled to Bolivia since so the first time that my mom went back to her country. So 11 years later and with my dad as well at the time. And I remember that trip because that was something that we planned. Like we, like my mom, like made it known that we, you know, one, we had to have our papers and everything set in stone. So it wasn't like something that happened overnight, but I do remember that trip vividly because again, it was after 11 years that she had gone to her country. So it was like the biggest trip that I remember, but in between, I'll tell you, it was just like little things. Like maybe like we went on like a beach retreat with um, our church or again, just maybe like one weekend we went to one of the, the, um, the parks in Virginia, but it was nothing extravagant. And so like here, you know, now thinking about it, like growing up also, I mean, my circle of friends, yes, they were, um, probably way more wealthy than I was, but I don't think it was like, oh my God, I'm bragging about like, I went to X, Y, and Z. Cause I think like, also like you surround yourself with people who I think are like you, even when you're even younger. And so I think the people that I surrounded myself with were also people who were like minorities and people who may have not had like all the money as, as well, like, like our family did. So I don't think it affected me too much until it was more like when I got into college where I realized, wow, like the the big like benefits that people have, like when they do have parents with money, like that's when I realized, Oh, like you can do so much more. But again, like I didn't let that stop me. Like, I think that's where like my drive and like my fire even started to exploring more when I got into college. And that's when like my big trips really happened. No, I get that because, well, we would go. And the only reason we went on these vacations when I was growing up was because my Theo lived there, right? Like when you have family there, you don't have to pay for a hotel and you don't have to pay for this. So we went two years in a row, two summers in a row, we went to the Virgin Islands, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Ooh. because my Theo lived on St. Croix. <laughs> wow. So yeah. cool. Yeah. So, but had my Theo not lived there, we would have never gone there. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't have to worry about paying for a hotel and, you know, like all of these things. And and I was, I would think I was pretty young. The first time we went, I was in third grade, like I was eight years old. And then the following summer, I was nine years old. So I was pretty young. The first like real vacation I remember taking, but a lot of our vacations were very much within California or would end up in Vegas. Cause my parents like to gamble. And <laughs> that's so cool. As a, so as a kid, you went to Vegas. Yeah. We would go stay at like, you know, we would go to circus circus. Uh-huh. And then my mom would give me money for me and my sisters to play games and stuff. And then be like, okay, we'll meet you back here for, you know, this is like a totally different era. This is way before cell phone. This is like totally. Cause I'm the oldest of three girls as well. So it's just, it was a very, very different era that parents would never dare to do now. Right. Yeah. I know. But it was like, here's some money. You and your sisters go play. Okay. Meet us right here at this spot at whatever time. That's really what it was. Yeah. And that's what we would do. And that would be usually the end of the vacation. If we would go to Disneyland and stuff like that, it was because like my Thea lived 15 minutes from Disneyland. So all of the things that we did, it was always because somebody lived there, which allowed my parents to be able to spend money for us to do other things. 
and yeah. not have to pay for a hotel unless we were in Vegas. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. And, and that was probably a big advantage that you had. They had so much family here. Like the only family we had now that you were you're mentioning that was in New York. And so we would go up to the Bronx, like the first, I wanted to say like seven, eight years of my life. Cause my uncle lived there with my cousins. That's all I remember. I guess that was vacation. But for me, I was like, really the Bronx, <laughs> like, this, like now no offense to anybody who's in Bronx. I mean, I got mad love for them, but I was like, man, it was like always little things. Like my mom, I remember finding like parking that was like safe. Like my uncle had like this one bedroom apartment for like my three cousins. And then us like three would come up. I'm like, oh my gosh, it was just a lot. <laughs> yes. No, that's hilarious. I mean, it's interesting to hear what other, you know, what people consider vacation or not, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't consider us driving an hour and a half north to go stay at my fiesta vacation. Yeah. It was was cool. It was fun because we would go to Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm because they were so close. But, you know, if you're Latino, you know that if you're staying with family, you're not really on vacation because you're helping cook and clean and yep. you got you, you get put to work. How is that a vacation? <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. So this time around, like, so my family and I were actually getting ready to go to Bolivia next week. I haven't gone in like nine years. And so I'm excited. But I told my mom, I was like, mom, do we need to get an Airbnb? Like, I am not at the stage in my life to stay at my grandparents. I love, like, yes. you know, I love my grandpa to death, but like, I'm thankful to be at a stage in my life where I can afford a place. And like, I was like, do you need me to get this? What do you need me to get? To, like, because I, I can't, yeah. <laughs> like I, my bones aren't the same. Like I was 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> well, you were saying your first real experience was when you got into college of traveling. What was like your first, like what you consider to be your first travel experience? Was it travel abroad? Was it like, what, how did that come about? Or was it something different? And where did you go on your first like major trip? So I would say actually it was road tripping. Like I, you know, I joined a Latina sorority when I was in college and yeah, they are. And I joining my Latina sorority, we would go from all over the East coast. Like I went up to Jersey, to Philly, to New York, North Carolina, Florida, like driving. Like, I mean, we would take turns, but it was just like moments that I remember even reflect now. I'm like, wow, I had so much fun. And I don't know how we did it. Cause we did all nighters as well. Like nowadays, like I couldn't do it, but like, I think that's where like my urge and like my, like, Oh my God, like I, I can meet so many people. And, and I had like story sisters also all over the, the world, like in different countries. So I've been really blessed to also kind of use them too. Like when I go to different countries, if I, you know, know them and stuff, of course, like they'll like invite me and I'll stay in their, like their guest room and stuff. And that will also help out like, you know, with, with my trip expenses, but more so having somebody in a different country is so cool. But I would definitely say I give my sorority a big advantage because I also didn't drive till I was 19. And so when I started driving, um, why is that? Well, a mixture of things. And one, you know, we didn't have money growing up. So my mom, you know, was like, I'm not, we're not getting you a car because there's no money. So she was in her mentality was like, well, I'm not going to teach you to drive because you don't need, you know, to to learn. And so it was a really, it's kind of, again, the cycle thing. And I know she did it again in protection, but I was like, no, I'm learning how to drive. My, one of my best friends like taught me and I, I got my permit and then I saved up all my money with my waitressing tips, like the first two years. And I ended up buying like my used Toyota Corolla. And through that car is where I learned how to like drive on like the highway. And that's where I started road tripping. So I think that's like where my drive and my like eagerness that to travel. really gave you your freedom. Right. Cause I feel like yeah. there's a, there's this thing for kids now versus when I'm like an exennial versus millennials and versus now like this Gen Z where these kids, like they don't care. They're like, we have Uber, we have Lyft. We don't need to drive. I don't care. And my nephew being one of those people, right. He's about <laughs> to graduate high school, and barely starting to drive. And I feel like for us, it was like, no, I want my freedom. Like as soon as you got your license and as soon as you could get a car, even just having your license and being able to borrow the car or whatever, like it became like this symbol of you having this sense of freedom that you didn't have yeah, before. Exactly. It was like, oh, like that moment. That's at least how I the felt. The light like, comes down. Yes. I was like, yes, the freedom. I was like, peace out, mom. I mean, not really, but yeah, that's how I felt it. But that's exactly like my sister, my youngest sister and I were 10 years apart. 
So she's in the Gen Z category and she still doesn't have her license. And I'm just like, how? Like, this is wild. Like, get your license. <laughs> like, it's, so, it's like just as a precaution, like, it's just so important. <laughs> you know, even though there is Uber and Lyft and these other ways of transportation, I just feel like, I don't know, there's something different when you have your car. It's a totally different sense. Like, you're not waiting. I can just grab my keys and go whenever I want. I'm not having to wait for somebody else to pick me up. And obviously you use, utilize these things, especially when you're drinking or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There's just this sense of when you have your car, how much, I wish I knew how to explain. I think people under, I think you understand what I'm trying to say without me saying Mm -hmm. it and probably others, but Mm -hmm. yeah, there's just this sense of, of this freedom. And when you don't have your car, even though there is Lyft and Uber, I feel like I am chained. I'm yeah. like, ah, uh, not having, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And that's a big thing also when I am traveling or when I'm planning to travel, like one of the biggest things is like, okay, if I can't drive or, you know, I don't feel comfortable driving in this country, what are my options? Like, and it's not just like one option that I always have. Like I have A, B, and C for that reason, especially being a woman. And, and if I'm traveling by myself, it's even more alarming. Right. Cause I was like, yeah. you have to know your plan of escape if something, and if you're not driving physically, you're depending on someone else. And so it's always just like, yeah, you just have to have all that. I always tell women, especially I was like, you have to have that plan. Like you can't just, Absolutely. you can't just go somewhere and not have those reliable resources. So I want to go back kind of saying like, I felt like I was chained, right? If I don't have my thing, mm-hmm. but then I want to go back to your first episode that you're talking okay. about because you talk about how you felt chained in a relationship that you were in. Yeah. <laughs> and you were in this six-year relationship and you, at some point, you finally let it go. And when you, you found this sense of freedom that I was not planning on, I was not even planning on this driving talk. It just happens to correlate so well. Oh yes. No, bring it. And, and then you have this now sense of freedom after you, you get out of this relationship and that prompted this journey, right? The self-discovery journey, but also the self-discovery journey and in, in traveling and everything. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like the things that you had to learn about yourself to figure out like, you know what? I'm not going to let anybody stop me from traveling. I'm not going to, even if it's by myself, I'm not going to like, what was that moment or what did you have to kind of go through? Because I'm sure it was also, I mean, that's a very long relationship Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you had some very hard times during that. Like there was a lot of valleys during that time. So Mm -hmm. what allowed you to like, how did it feel in that valley? And what was it that prompted you to start looking and saying, okay, there's a peak over there that I'm going to, I'm going to start heading towards that. Yeah, no, for sure. So I've never been asked this question. I've definitely thought about it, but it's something that I think is so endearing because for one, like I will say, like it has been a process. Like this does not happen like overnight. Like I've officially been like single from that relationship for almost five years. And when I think about that, I'm like, whoa, like, and how much I have grown in these five years, like is intense. So when that relationship ended, I was also in a transition within my life, within my career with so many things. Like I had just graduated with my master's in public health. I had just accepted a, a, my first um, position within my career in New Mexico. So I moved from Virginia to New Mexico. So literally across the country, packed up a Penske truck, put all Girl, my stuff. I heard that. I started laughing because yeah. I lived in Albuquerque for two years. <laughs> oh man, we're going to have to chit chat about that. Yeah. Well, I was not prepared for the culture, culture shock. shock. Culture <laughs> yes. Shock. Remember DMV city girl, like, you know, been around every color of the nation moving to New Mexico. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to be about my peoples. Like I'll be good. Oh, I, like- I moved from friggin' a <laughs> suburb of San Diego to Albuquerque. And I'm like, what the hell is happening here? Yep, exactly. So I was like, you know what? This is going to be the first of the first. So I will say that now I reflect like that was like the beginning of the journey, like, you know, moving to a whole new place. 
is already a scary aspect, but like moving to a whole new place, like after a heartbreak, like after breaking a, a serious relationship, but also like just discovering myself. So, but that time frame too, I'm like no disclaimer. And I say this in that, in that podcast episode was probably like the most, I guess, depressing years of my life, just because I didn't know how to really be alone. And that was another thing that I realized why that relationship wasn't healthy for me, because I think when you depend on somebody so much and you forget your self-worth and your self-love, like that's where are the red flags. And so thankfully, you know, I realized that and I was able to break through that. But through those moments as well, I learned again so much about myself, like even in New Mexico, that was completely culture shock. Like I didn't really have anyone there, but like three sorority sisters and my colleagues. I also just learn to appreciate little things. Like, again, I started road tripping to the different four corner states around to all the national parks and just through, again, the experiences and the people that I met. I really do believe that like surrounding yourself with individuals who will uplift you during these times, like really to help. Cause that's where, you know, I found my spiritual connection. So I became like more, you know, in my faith while I was in, in that moment, I ended up making really good friends with certain of my colleagues that now have turned to like, just not even just coworkers, but good friends afterwards. So it was just like, starting myself with good people, figuring out what makes me happy. And I think that's where like, really like, okay, travel like excites me like what can I do to even do more and so I think through there like that's where like my spark happened but it was definitely took time and and took me to get out of my comfort zone which is like moving across the country <laughs> oh yeah I think in order to grow we have to get out of our comfort zone right because if we only stay in our bubble and stay in what we know then it's not challenging you and it's not mm-hmm. like you know we have to challenge ourselves to grow because if we just stay mm-hmm. in our little bubble then that's not doing anything. And then we say, oh, I want to, that's like saying, I want to meet a man and never leaving your house and never doing anything about it, right? I just expect him to knock on my door. No, that's not going to happen. Same with growth. And you have to get uncomfortable to grow. And sometimes yes. uncomfortable, like me and my, my nephew is, is a senior. He got accepted to a college a couple hours away from home and he's going to go there. And we were really excited because we're like, we, all of us were like, he should leave home Mm -hmm. and not that we want him to like, but because he's still very sheltered. He's still very nice. I mean, he's, you know, almost 18, but he's still like, I feel like he's still really naive for his Mm -hmm. age. And I think it would just be so good for him to be from out of under his parents' roof. My sister thinks the same thing. And I think he's going to experience tremendous growth because it's not something he's ever had to do, like truly take care of himself. Right. Yeah. So I think that's awesome that you, that you did that. And it's scary. It's scary to move by yourself. I've made those moves several times completely by myself and it can be a very, very scary thing. You've been to, I think it said that you have been to Six of the seven continents. I'm guessing the only place you haven't been is Antarctica. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And you've been to 18 countries so far. Is that correct? Yes. I think now it's to, it could be to 20. I could be wrong, but I haven't traveled too much, but this past summer I went to the the Virgin Islands. So that was, yeah, 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 nice. British Virgin Islands or U.S. Virgin Islands? No, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yeah. Yeah, So St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. John. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you live in Puerto, Puerto Rico, in San Juan, in, right? In the yes. San Juan. Yep. I live in the metro area in San Juan. Yep. This this background of my Zoom is actually Viejo San Juan, where the forts nice. are and stuff. Mm-hmm. So what have been your favorite moments? First of all, where are the places that you have tra- traveled solo? Mm-hmm. And how was that experience being traveling solo as a woman? And do you present yourself as... Bolivian or Amer- or or U.S. citizen when you travel by yourself? Yeah, no, that's great questions. So I'm gonna rewind. The first thing, like the biggest trip that I that I've done well recently did was I went to the Virgin Islands in July. It was right before I transitioned to my new job, and I went solo. I hadn't done a solo trip in a while. I hadn't traveled in a while um, because of the pandemic, and I will definitely say, like, it was something. 
every woman, everybody, I think has to travel by themselves. Like it just gives you another opportunity, not only again, self-growth, but it really does put you out of your comfort zone. Like in that trip itself, like, I mean, again, I do live in Puerto Rico. The Virgin Islands are right next door. So I always tell people too, like, if you are very skeptical about it or scared, I tell people start small, go to another state, go somewhere where, you know, you, if you don't feel comfortable, you can get back home. Like you hop on a plane real quick or drive back home. So for me, like, since I hadn't traveled for a while, I was like, well, I feel very uncomfortable. I went to the Virgin Islands. Um, and again, like, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, you just have to look up you know, transportation, look up a, a good place to stay. And depending on what type of trip you want, like for me, like I knew that trip was going to be a relaxing trip. Like I just wanted to lay by the beach. I wanted just to have, you know, mojitos or pina coladas. Like I knew exactly what I wanted. Like 10 years ago, like my type of trip maybe would have been like, oh, I want to go to every club or every salsa like spot in, in the nation. But now like, you know, with the pandemic and oh, I'm, girl, I'm getting saying that gets me tired these days. Yes. <laughs> like I'm thinking like, oh, getting ready. Like, no, like I just, I'm just going to stay in. So I, you know, doing your, your research, but I will say like out of all the places that I've been to, I reflect on like I guess my, I always tell people my top three, Australia was definitely one place that I would go back again in a heartbeat. So I did travel there by myself, but disclaimer, I have really good friends that live there. So I ended up actually staying with um, one of my really good friends, Jag. She, I met her actually when she was backpacking in South America. I was in Ecuador with my graduate school program. And we just linked up and we stayed connected throughout all these years. She ended up coming to Puerto Rico with a bunch of her friends who turned to be my friends. And they were like, you need to come to Australia, mate, like the following year. And Australians are amazing. Like, I don't know, like it's something about that water down there. They're so friendly. They're so <laughs> fun. We had two of the best weeks of my life there. Like when I tell you, like, I have never seen water like that. And I live on an, a beautiful island. Like it was something out of this world. Like I had, I got, I got to hold um, um, koalas. <laughs> like I was like, what? This is just something so, so crazy. And and I actually ended up being there during the forest fires. So I was there in oh, November, wow. yeah, 2019. And um, until yeah, it was all, all like the last two weeks of November. So when I was in Sydney, like literally, it was like fog, and you can you can breathe like like the the fire and stuff. So it was really alarming because you know global warming is real. Like it's a scary thing. But that was probably like the most like vivid trip that I remember because it was I guess the closest to this date. But I mean, South Africa, you can just imagine like that was like something else. And the, the best thing about South Africa was I didn't pay a dime. Like there are so many programs out there. I tell women and I tell students because I love the whole mentorship also aspect. But when I was in school as an undergrad, I always wanted to study abroad, but I couldn't because of my like my credits. And then I was on a scholarship. So it just didn't match. But I stayed in touch with like the all the study abroad programs because I was like, I knew it from like the gecko. Like I loved traveling because I wanted just to get, get out of, get out of um, the country, but I never did. And so it wasn't until I, before I started grad school, I stayed in contact with this one program and they were looking for participants to try their new program. And they were actually doing a contest. It was like submit a video on how you've impacted a community. And at the time I was working for a nonprofit in DC. So I submitted it. I got votes. I got picked and they sent me to South Africa for free to do their, their oh two week immersion. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. So, okay, send send me some of these links. Yes. So Thanks. I tell people like there are opportunities. Like when I was in grad school, like I was very involved again with my office of diversity. So they knew me, but the alternative break program, which is a completely different office, she contacted me and was like, do you want to be like the graduate assistant for the El Salvador immersion program? Um, we'll send you there for free. You just have to, you know, be the student leader of these undergrads, which they were like a year younger than me. <laughs> so I was like, uh, yes, sign me up. Sure, I'm so yeah. mature. Yes, exactly. That's how I felt. <laughs> but it was great. Like, and it was, and then Salvador, I was there for almost a week and I learned so much history. Like I didn't realize like 
how much the war in the 80s and the in the movement of todos guerrilleros like coming to you know the the country like it was just that was like an eye-opening experience because you know when people hear about salvador they have like all this like negativity but it was it was just such a beautiful experience to learn like hands-on and then of course i'm biased like bolivia my country that i was born even though i've only been three times and out of those three times all of them is when I was young, like I was 12, 15, 19. So it was just like, you know, this time around it's different. Cause I'm going as like an actual adult with an income. <laughs> like before it was like, I was on my mom's dime, my mom's time, my mom's family, you know, everything. And again, it's going to be also different. Cause you know, my, I haven't seen my family in a while and we had a couple deaths last year. So it's definitely going to be a more of an emotional trip than anything, but I'm just ready to also explore and hopefully see like the other beauties of, of my beautiful country that I was born in. But yeah, so I was just, it's, I feel like there's, I, I can talk about countries all day, every day. Like Thailand is also such a beautiful place. Oh yeah, I t- I've heard. I've had a lot I, of friends that have been there and they've said that that's been one of their favorite places to go. Yeah. Yeah, I got to play with um, elephants for my birthday. So that, that's one thing that I definitely have tried, like after my relationship ended, like I started going to, a, I made a pact with myself and I was like, I'm going to be in a different country for every birthday. Of course, with the pandemic, things have changed, <laughs> but I was like, you know what? This year I was in Puerto Rico. I had never spent my birthday in Puerto Rico. So technically, I mean, yes, it's a U.S. territory, but that's another story. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, okay. that's something totally different. Yeah. So, so speaking of public health, you work yeah. in public health. How has that affected your, how like how your experiences and how you view the, the places that you've traveled and how you're currently traveling or if you're currently traveling, because I'm sure that gives you a very unique insight into I'm sure you do some research that other people don't do because you're like, okay, let me go check this out or, you know, so how does that affect prior to the pandemic? Did it affect how you traveled and how you viewed the the countries that you traveled and now not post pandemic, but in this situation, how does it affect you? Yeah. So I think before, like my knowledge of, of public health, again, it, it was just, I mean, public health in general was very broad. So when I did start traveling, I realized like, wow, like how lucky we are in the United States or how we take little things for granted, such as running water, electricity always going on. Like, because depending on certain countries that you go to, that's things that, you know, aren't, you know, given or it isn't like, you know, second nature, like a simple thing, like running water, right? Like you can't brush your teeth in some countries that you visit with the water that's running. Like they give you like bottled water or they suggest like bottled water, depending on if you're staying in a hotel or an Airbnb or another place. So doing like that type of research. And for me, I mean, I always looked at the CDC um, travel website before I would go anywhere. Like even I know nowadays that's like the first thing that people are doing, but before the pandemic, like I would always look at certain countries have certain shot requirements, certain countries have, you know, um, certain visa requirements as well. Like you can't, you can't just like go anywhere and just like, because you have a U.S. passport to show up. <laughs> like there's some places that you have to apply certain things. Girl, um, but I, let me tell you, <laughs> the amount you have an experience? of audacity that we have here. Yeah. And the amount of privilege, the amount of how we think. I see things on social media of people just so unaware that we are not the center of the universe. Comparatively to the population in the world, we are minuscule. We are minuscule. And then you have all of these other countries all over the world, but yet we have this mentality that we are everything. Sorry, didn't mean to go into that. <laughs> no, it's it's so true. I mean, I even just reflect little things like even here living in Puerto Rico. I've been living in Puerto Rico for six years. And here the mentality of community is just so different, completely different from living in the States. Like here people look out for each other all the time. Like, I mean, you can imagine like through the catastrophes that have happened here with the hurricanes, with the earthquakes, clearly the government has let us down <laughs> and who has had our back? Like we we've had our, our back, <laughs> like, you know, we've had to like, you know, help each other out because at the end of the day, like that's how we get through this because we can't depend on the government and it's pretty clear. And um, it just makes me also think about, like, I reflect on that also when I travel to different countries too, because there's definitely a lot of, um, you know, catastrophes in 
for example, my country, Bolivia, like Bolivia is ridiculously poor. And every time I go there, like I realize, wow, like how little things like my shoes, my clothes that I take for granted myself, <laughs> like, you know, people would die for like my shoes. People would like, would love the, the type of clothes that I have. And it's little things that make you just reflect. Like I, I'm just so blessed to be able now to go back and hopefully provide not only for my family, but for, for people that are in a country that I was born in. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Have you been able to take your parents or your mom on any of these adventures with you as of yet? Or has she wanted to go or what? Like, how does she see your traveling and how does she participate, whether it's just supporting you or whether it's going with you? Yeah. So I definitely noticed she has been supporting like my podcast a lot more than I thought. I think it, it helps that she's on like Facebook. Like she's one of the Facebook moms that will post like, <laughs> like all the memes, like everything and all that. Yep. She's one of those. <laughs> Hi mom, if you're listening, <laughs> but she, um, like I definitely took my family to Mexico. So that was a big trip that I talk about that in my Mexico episode. I was able to actually take all my family to um, Cancun, which is a huge, like, you know, wow for me, you know, to be able to pay for everybody, like their flights, the hotel stay, the adventures. And I'll never forget like that trip specifically. Cause it was just so like, I mean, one, I got really sick, but two, I remember, oh, no. I know that that's the worst, but we, you know what? I always tell people I make it work. Like I'm going to, you know, make it the best, but we went on this like one boat, like trip. It was called like Veracruz and um, in Cancun. It's like one of those excursions and everybody had to take shots. Like I was just like, it's so it was like seeing my mom, my sisters all in like, I was like, wow. Like it was something I, I'll never forget. And I, we just giggle and laugh about it. Cause we have all these videos and stuff now, but I'm like, yeah, like I def in my back of my mind, that's something that I've been, you know, definitely wanting to plan. Like I would love to take my mom actually to, um, to Rome. She's always, you know, growing up, we were, you know, big in the Catholic faith. And I think one of her like dreams is to see like the Vatican and I've been to Rome and it's beautiful. I actually got to see the Pope when he was like there, when it was like a ceremony, but I didn't do the whole like Vatican tour or any of that stuff. I was just like backpacking, like a like a broke pro college student, like afterwards, but it was so much fun. Like I got to do everything that I, you know, that any backpacker would love to do, but I would love to take my mom and actually like stay right next to the fountain or do something like really cute. But, oh, yeah. but of course with like the pandemic and stuff, like I, like I tell you, like I have been work, work, work. Cause you can imagine being in the public health field. Like I've had no like time out. And so that's why I'm just like, I'm so excited for these next two weeks. Cause I'm finally taking like time off besides the one week in July that I took for the Virgin islands. I haven't gone anywhere in these past two years. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that must've been like such a wonderful experience knowing, cause I want to do that for my family one day to be able to just, but there's a lot in my family because not only is it both my parents, both my sisters, my brother-in-law and four nephews. <laughs> See, we don't, we don't have any kids in our family yet. Like it's just, you know, my four sisters and I'm the oldest. So I'd be damned if one of my other sisters has kids yet. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think it'll, it'll be like, I'll do, I'll pay for my parents. <laughs> hey, yes, that's where you Everybody draw else got their own money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's so cute. I love, but I mean, I, I know every, anytime I can do something, I think at all of us, right. Especially within our community, it, anytime, like so many of our parents have sacrificed so much for us in different ways, because sacrifice can be in different ways. I think when we can give back something that we've always wanted to do growing up and with our parents, but we weren't able to do it, then you're able to do it as an adult that just hits in just this wonderful, beautiful way. No, I a hundred percent agree. Like I, that's why I'm so excited about this trip to Bolivia. Cause even though I know I'm not a millionaire, but the fact that I can like, yes, I can provide like for my family, if we want to stay at this nice hotel for, you know, two nights, it's just so, it just feels like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, <laughs> even though it's for me, like at the end of the day, like, yes, I mean, we're all enjoying it, but I just feel like a, a good sign of re relief. <laughs> yeah. So outside of Bolivia, where is your next adventure? So I haven't planned anything. I mean, the big, the big trip is just Bolivia for this year, 
But I like my dream country that I've been dying to go to for so long is Egypt. Like I am obsessed with the Egyptian history. I've always been obsessed since I was a little girl. And then it just so happens when I joined my sorority, we have like nicknames. And so my nickname in my sorority is Luxor, which is one of the big cities. Oh, in- yeah in Egypt and and also I'm just hotel in Vegas. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I, I definitely took a picture there. <laughs> um, but so I've been dying to go to Egypt and it's just something that's been on my radar. And I don't know, it's like people that I I follow also on Instagram that are travelers. They've recently gone and I'm just like, oh my gosh, is this a sign? But it's just such a bad timing to plan things right now. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Like every time I try to plan something for my birthday in, in April, I have to cancel it. So I'm like, uh, it should be a little more positive, but Egypt is definitely on the list. And of course, I want to go to Peru and do the Machu Picchu tour. That was on my list for April this past year, but I had to cancel it. But I was like, I need to get I need to get on that because my knees are definitely feeling <laughs> these walks. And I was like, and I and I want to definitely be able to like walk it and do like they have like three-day tours, five-day tours, like that you actually walk up to the Machu Picchu and camp. So it's, yeah, it's pretty intense. So I'm like, I I need to do this. So like, I have to have it on my bucket list. So like, I need to check it off. So I would say Egypt and Peru are definitely on the top. What are the sites that you usually go to when you plan all of these things? Because I think people, they're listening to, oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. But how does she find these things? How do you... I feel like you just, if you Google, you're just going to get the most common things, right? Which the most common things are often the most pricey things. Yeah. So when you plan your trips, like where are the places that you're going to in order to like plan something? Because I feel like you are probably, and probably many people, you, yeah, doing the the touristy thing is cool, but you want to really, if you're going to a country, oftentimes, at least me, I want to experience that culture. I don't want to go to all of the touristy things. First of all, I'm cheap. I don't want to spend all that money. Like, and then just have a burger. No, I want to like freaking like get the flavor of the country that I'm in. And I don't want to spend 50 euro for a hamburger when I can go somewhere else and get something way better and spend like 20 euro, whatever. Yeah. No, that makes a that's a valid question. And a hundred percent agree. The first thing I tell people all the time is ask for recommendations, look at your circle of friends and see like where they've gone to. I, I know for me, like I always post like my highlights on like places that I've been to on my Instagram. And usually in my highlights, like I'll tag like the hotel locations or the, the restaurants that I go to and I'm an open book. So I always tell people, if people have questions, like ask me away. Like I have, I clearly write my own itineraries So I am not in the stage of my life where I'm like, oh no, I can't share what I have. Hello, the purpose of my podcast, the purpose of me traveling is so I can help people who look like me get to those beautiful places as well, because I'm tired of traveling. And when I look to my left and look to my right, I'm the only person that looks like me. (laughs) Like I want more people who look like me to travel. And so I always tell people, one, do your research. Something, yes, it may be like looking at Instagram hashtags. Like you would be surprised to how like, like those hashtags actually really work and bring you so many different like places. So like those hashtags can bring you like different travel agencies or different travel ideas or accounts uh, and for those certain locations that you're going to. And then of course it depends also like, okay, so the next thing is like, I am, I need to book my flight. There are different, you know, caveats. There's the app hopper that I tell people to get on. Yeah. um, yeah, That, you know, tells you like, which are are the cheaper, you know, flights, Google flights, of course, uh, kayak. uh, I've used a bunch of things and it's also like strategic on like how you divide your flights. Cause sometimes like I tell people, you can't just buy a round trip ticket. Like sometimes buying like a one way, it comes out way more cheaper than, than a round trip. So there's like learning those tricks to the trade. But um, first and foremost, like that's what I, I'm like, just do your first, do your simple research, like look up, like, you know, people that have gone there who have, you know, done this stuff. There's a lot of bloggers that like, there's just so much information out there in the palm of our hands now with technology. Yeah. It really is impossible to like feel lost. I think it comes down to also just like the time. And some people just don't have the time to do that research and that's okay. So that's where, you know, you hire like a, a travel like agent or somebody who has more experience, like 
my like long-term goal is to start like doing itineraries for Puerto Rico specifically because I'm here and I've been living here for six years and I get so many people to ask me all this, all these questions. And I'm like, you know what? I need to just start writing all this down because I feel like I'm just always telling people the same thing over and over again. I feel the same thing in San Diego. Like when people come and they're like, oh, what should I do? And I give them some things, but then I'm like, oh, well, what about this? Or what about, you know, I, every time I do something new, or a restaurant I really like, I write it down Mm -hmm. because I want to be able to share that with people. But also I always notice that, you know, when it's somewhere you've grown up, you don't do the touristy things. You're like, oh, that's a touristy thing. So I've realized there's so many things that I haven't done in San Diego because I grew up going, "Ah, why would I do that? I could do that anytime, but you never do it because you're like, Uh, that's a touristy thing. And so when I have friends that have wanted to do these things, I'm like, okay. And I'm like, oh, this is actually cool. I wouldn't do it on my own. I would only do it when I have people visiting me. But I think it's, you also get to see it from a different, different eyes because they're seeing all of these things for the first time. Yes. I a hundred percent agree with you because growing up in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, ask me how many times I went to the white house. (laughs) <laughs> so like a memorial, all those, like the cool museums there now yeah. as an older adult, I'm like, man, I missed out on all of that. Like, right? you know, I had so many opportunities to actually go into the White House. No, nope, I don't think you can anymore. No, you can't. <laughs> but even bef- like before, it was so much easier to like actually get appointments and, and be able to go in. So I will give a little travel hack for those who live in the Southern California area. If you're traveling to Mexico or Central or Southern America, you can often find way cheaper flights if you go to Tijuana from the fly out of the Tijuana airport. And then you could, so there's a bridge that goes from the US side to the Tijuana side. And you have, I think it's like 20 or $30 or whatever. To me, that's totally worth it. You're not literally the bridge. You go on, enter the bridge on the American side and end up in the airport on the Tijuana oh. side, in, on the Mexico side. So it's like super safe and everything like that. But Man, I got a round trip ticket to Costa Rica for like under $400. From Tijuana? From Tijuana. So it's like you said, look for those hashtags, look for those things. Everybody has a friend who loves to travel, who's figured out what all of those hacks are. Um, I want to give you the opportunity before anything. Is there anything else I want you to be able to give the name of your podcast again, your social media, and please add anything else that you want people to know in regards to traveling and all of the things that you're doing. Sure. I think like first and foremost, like I want to just put out there like that stigma, especially of like solo traveling and solo female traveling even more like that. You're going to be lonely, that it's very um, scary or that, you know, aren't you like I always get like, aren't you afraid to be bored? And I'm just like, no, like again, like when you travel by yourself, especially as a woman, like that is a, a time for you to reflect a time for you to grow, a time for you to like learn to love yourself in a whole different area and a whole different place. It even makes it even much better. Like I always tell people, you don't need to be a millionaire to travel. You don't need to have a partner to travel. Like you just need to go out there and explore the beauties of this world because there are just so many beautiful things out there. So like I mentioned before, like I don't like my goals for my podcast and just for having these conversations like this is to encourage more women who look like us to travel because I am getting tired of looking around and being the only brown woman around because I'm just like, there needs to be many more places that people need to travel. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you really quick because I forgot to go back to something that I asked you. Uh huh. So first of all, I have a friend who stays in a lot of hostels. So she meets a lot of people and ends up making friends all over the world. And for her, she's like, it's cheap when I do that. Mm-hmm. But also... I had asked previously when you travel, because there is a stigma with U.S. citizens in regards to how we travel. So when you travel, do you present yourself as a Bolivian or a U.S. citizen? I definitely tell people that I am from Bolivia, but I am like, I I grew up in the United States. Now, disclaimer, like if there's, for example, a lot of different um, like entry fees for like different parks or stuff, like they'll tell you, like, it'll be straight up there. Like U.S. citizenship, like has to pay this certain fee. Everyone else has to pay this fee. I'm not going to lie. Like I have clearly a U.S. passport, but I do have dual citizenship. So I am Bolivian. So like when I go to Bolivia, 
I definitely utilize my Bolivian citizenship because I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys aren't charging me the United States like fee because I am Bolivian. So here, like, I will say that. But like when I do travel to other countries and stuff, of course, like, I mean, I utilize my Spanish. Like I do look Bolivian, but I am proud also to have grown up in the United States. So I do say like I am American as well. I was just wondering, because I feel like Mm -hmm. sometimes there's certain places that you may want to be like mostly speaking Spanish, even oh, yeah. a Spanish speaking country, just because people will treat you different versus presenting yourself as an, you know, again, oh, yeah. it's, it's the whole, how we're perceived here. Oh no, for sure. Cause I mean, people see that you're from America and they just automatically see dollar signs. And unfor- that's the unfortunate case. Cause that does, that has happened a lot in I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, I'm very Spanglish. So they'd be like, yeah, sure. (laughs) And that's why you keep the, the, the words limited. I'll never forget. I went to Juarez real quick. I have to say this story. And I'm like, when we were in Juarez, we took Ubers everywhere and I loved it. And no problem. I felt so safe. But like my friend who I went with, she's from Veracruz. And um, she just kept, she was the one that kept talking. Cause I was like, if I start speaking my Spanish, they're definitely going to know we're not from Veracruz. And so she was like, yeah, just calladita. And I was like, don't worry, I won't say nothing. And so she just did all the talking. So sometimes it helps having that friend and too. you just say one word here or there. See, I'm like, hola. <laughs> yeah. Okay, paso bien día. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Igualmente. Like, sí, exacto. Bendición. And just enough, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, but I totally agree. Uh, having that that language um, does help in a in a lot of places, yeah, <laughs> especially in this world. Okay, the name of your podcast again is This Latina Travels. And how can people reach you on social media? And what platforms is This Latina Travels on? Sure. So my podcast is on all major um, platforms. So I have it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast. I have my Linktree link on my Instagram, which is at this Latina Travels. And from that link, like you can choose your um, your program of choice. Yay. Thank you so much. I enjoyed like hearing about your story. And I love, I have limited travel by myself. When I went to Costa Rica, I actually traveled by myself. But once I got there, Add friends that I met. Yeah. But the actual traveling part, right? I've done plenty of that by myself, but I do want to take, even if it's just, I, and I've done road trips by myself. I've done mm-hmm. lots of road trips by myself. I was going to say, you're so lucky. You live next to some of the most national, well, not next to, but you know, like Yosemite is like on my bucket list, uh, yeah, like all these like, national parks in California. I'm like, oh, I know I, I need to do more of them. I need to do more of them, mm-hmm. but I have like, I've driven up the coast from San Diego up to Portland, Oregon by myself Um, and then met people along the way, you know, for different things, but like truly it was me and my dog, my true road dog. (laughs) Hey, like I wasn't. And I actually, I think the first road trip I took by myself, maybe I've tried, I guess I've traveled by myself more often than I thought was when I was 21 years old and I drove from San Diego to Dallas. Okay. And I stopped in Phoenix and stayed with my cousin. And then I stayed at a hotel in Midland, Texas. And then I got, so that was like my first road, total solo road trip. Hey, that's a long drive. Cause I drove from Santa Fe to um, Austin, Texas. And I'll say, I, I was like, I'll never do this again. <laughs> I mean, that, that East Texas is ugly. Let's, I mean, let's just not yeah. use words. I've driven that yeah. several times and there's nothing to look at. It is flat. I mean, Texas is flat. Let's just be real. Yeah. But at night, there's like nothing, and it's you know it can be there's bats. Like I literally had bats like flying. And my I was like I will never forget. I screamed on the phone. I was on the phone with with my friend I was talking to. I was like, oh my god, there's bats coming at me. Well, they're not vampire bats. They're like fruit eating bats. So that's a good thing. But that's still freaky. <laughs> yeah, I'm hello, East Coast girl. We don't, we don't have bats flying. I mean, I'm I'm from San Diego, so I'm not used to bats either. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> well, Bianca, if you ever make your way to San Diego, you have yes. a place to stay. Thank you, Jessica. And likewise, if you want to come to Puerto Rico, I have an nice um, bedroom. I'm just gonna say, don't tell me that because I absolutely will utilize that. 
Yes, I have. um, I mean, clearly you have a dog, so I'm pretty sure you like dogs, but I have two dogs that I adopted from here that since they were puppies, now they're two years old, but they're like my life. I post about them too all the time. Yeah, I love dogs. (laughs) It cracks me up when people like have a dog and they go to the dog park and they freak out. I'm like, that's what dogs do. You got to chill out. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm so glad that yes. your friend referred you to me so we could talk and everything. Yes. And I love Norma. Norma's actually my sorority sister. So Wait, like Norma? I, Norma Reyes. Reyes. Um, yes. Yeah. From Texas. From, yes. From Texas. Okay. Yeah. The, the mindset coach. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so she, um, she's great. And so she, she's always posting about different podcasts and I'm like, man, I need to get on her because she's been doing really well as well. And then I started following you and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like I would, I haven't done something like this and I would love to, to meet you and even if it's virtually. And I was like, and so I had the opportunity to do this. So it's really uh-huh. made my day. I've had a really long day today. <laughs> like I said, I'm traveling. And so I'm trying to find like a, a COVID test because I'm traveling international and yeah. I've literally been at home since Christmas Eve, like inside, I live by myself. And so I haven't seen anyone. I haven't done anything, but I'm used to being by myself, but it's really also like, you know, I work from home. I do everything at home and mm-hmm. I'm just afraid to go anywhere. So today yeah. going to get a test was like alarming for me. And I'm like, I just need these results to come back negative. I was like, there's no reason for me to have a positive test, but yeah. still I'm, a, I'm at the stage where I'm like, I'm just ready to to be on a plane. And well, just... I hope it comes back <laughs> negative. I hope you're able to find it, do it, yes. come back negative and that you're able to have an amazing, amazing trip. Yes, for sure. I'll definitely have to keep you posted because it's going to yeah. be a really good trip. I'm excited. We'll stay right there. But until next time, mi gente, adios. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Cheese Med Podcast. For more information on today's guest, Please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Cheese on our website, thewineandcheesemetpodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at the Wine and Cheese on Instagram and at the Wine and Cheese Podcast on Remember, if you want to hear more wine and cheese, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.